But the ADL and all of the groups, the mainstream Jewish groups, the federations, the JCRCs, the rabbis, etc., they all bought into this notion that that of Islamophobia. Well, Islamophobia right. is the big lie. That's what that's the big lie. Yeah. Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, Israel, in our eternal and undivided capital, Jerusalem. Unfortunately, once again, the, both the world and specifically the Jewish world and the United States Jewish world has been rocked by another uh, unfortunate and surprising to many, but unfortunately not so surprising, another terror attack against the Jewish community, targeting the Jewish community, this time a synagogue in the state of Texas. Um, one thing that I have been very vocal about over the years is, one, the growth of Jew hatred, not just in America, but across the Western world. And again, the, uh, the, the impetus uh, and the weakness of our own Jewish leadership. Today, I'm going to be speaking with someone very special, Charles Jacobs. And Charles is the co-founder of a very important organization, if you have not heard about it, peaceandtolerance.org. And what peaceandtolerance.org is all about, it's a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting peaceful coexistence in an ethnically diverse America by ed educating the American public about radical ideologies. Right? Because unfortunately, and Charles will talk to most about more about this, most of the US Jewish leadership are so, and I'm gonna say this and he can correct me with his terminology, so politically correct that they don't want to focus on the radical ideologies. Rather, they're always focused on outreach and always focused on, oh, Islamophobia, and always on, uh, uh, we have to reach out to the moderates and strengthen the moderates. But without focusing on and educating about the radicals and, and calling that out, we're not able to help the moderates. In any case, let's bring on Charles and hear what he has to say, because a very, very important organization, and I wish it, I'm sure it has influence, I hope it has even more influence with the U.S. Jewish community. Shalom, shalom, Charles, how are you? Shalom, Avi, I'm wonderful, I'm here in Boston, I don't have COVID, uh, I, I'm, I'm a happy camper for that, although uh, life is, Less interesting uh, sitting here in my little office uh, protecting myself from diseases, uh, but that's but that's the general case around the world. So I shouldn't fetch too much. Uh, thank I you for having you. me. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a pleasure having you. I know we've been in touch over the years, and it is really a privilege to finally be able to have this face-to-face uh, -face interview with you. And uh, can you just give everyone a little more background of? of who you are and what drives you and what, why the involvement and the creation of this organization. Sure. That sure. actually exists for many, for a number of years. It's not new. Just let people know. No, no, that's not. So I've been at this business of uh, trying to help uh, the Jews defend themselves uh, for about 35 years. Um, I started it, this work, um, uh, co-founding with Andrea Levin, the Boston branch of camera here in Boston. And that branch eventually became the national office. Um, I left them and then I began uh, a, a project about uh, jihad slavery. Um, Arabs were uh, massacring and murdering black Christians in Sudan, Africa's largest country. 
And as uh, the, the terror weapon of choice was uh, the enslavement of black women and children, um, Arab militias would raid African villages and uh, kill the men and capture the women and children. And I founded the American Anti-Slavery Group and along with Christian heroes uh, in Europe and in America, we arranged for the uh, buying back um, the liberation of uh, black women and children that were jihad slaves. And for that, I got an award for Coretta Scott King. And for that work, that work led to the creation of the world's newest nation, South Sudan, when George Bush, the president, heard about this. He insisted that uh, Khartoum allow a plebiscite of the people in the South um, who immediately voted to separate from uh, the North. And so there we have South Sudan. Uh, after that, I, uh, I, I found, co-founded with my partner, Avi Goldwasser, the filmmaker, uh, a group called The David Project, which mostly focused on anti-Semitism and the college campuses. We did a film called Columbia Unbecoming about 20 years ago, in where we showed Jewish students at Columbia explaining how anti-Israel professors uh, were intimidating and harassing Jewish students in class and out of class. Uh, that film can still be seen if people want to Google it, um, Columbia Unbecoming, because it was the warning. We thought uh, this was the wake-up call. We would we would wake up uh, the American Jewish population about what was happening on the campuses because we knew that would be terrible. And it so it didn't wake them up because we'll talk about why the failure of Jewish leadership. Uh, and it has become really more terrible about right now, the latest Pew poll shows that 50% or more of Jewish students on campus are hiding their identity because anti-Semitism, uh, which began as an attack on Israel in the, by the professors, uh, has now re reached the point where it's kind of like not pleasant to be on campus if you're a Jew uh, and a Zionist. Um, uh, after that, um, we and we also we 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 prepared Jewish high school students uh, in a course uh, which we had installed in over a hundred a hundred uh, Jewish day schools in America and in Canada. Uh, preparing them for what they would face in the college campuses, how to make Israel's case uh, from the left or the right, but to defend Israel and to go on the attack against their oppressors. Uh, then finally, I I, uh, I left it. That was the that was the David Project. I founded the David Project with Avi Goldwasser, and then after that, we co-founded Americans for Peace and Tolerance, which you described, and we have been fighting uh, wars. Uh, the cognitive war, as people say, uh, against high school curricula that is now anti-Israel. Uh, this is this is this is stemming from the professoriate and the campuses. It has now reached uh, left-wing curricula mills who turn out uh, lesson plans that seem pedagogically correct. But if if you're in that class and if you listen to the teacher by the end of the class, you're not going to like the Jewish kid sitting next to you because he belongs to a class of people who are helping to oppress a, a poor, indigenous, indigent, darker-skinned people in Palestine. So the, all of this is terrible. And all of this uh, happened in great part because Jewish leadership failed. And it's continuing to fail. 
and it's uh, and we should talk about that. Um, yeah, so please go right into it. Yeah, so um, the let's let's start off with uh, how they failed. They failed because when it when the left wing part of Jewry uh, agreed with many criticisms of Israel, uh, no one taught them that. Uh, that's okay for an internal discussion. That's okay. We can criticize Israel. We can be a two-stater or a one-stater or a three-stater or a no, whatever, whatever, not a no-stater. Uh, but let's be a little bit sensitive to the fact that your argumentation in public is helping people who don't want to make Israel better like you do, right, but who want to bury us. <laughs> and so no one protested uh, in, in the leadership uh, for, for 10, 20 years, no one protested the media bias against Israel, which was slowly poisoning the Western world and transfer, transforming the little Jewish state into the, from this valiant, you know, uh, Sabra, good guys surrounded by multi-million uh, peoples who wanted to kill them. That was the old story, and then, and you know, the new story is now we become the new Nazis, right? In a way, and you know, you read the New York Times every day, and, and the New York Times lies about the Jews. Uh, lying about the Jews is a kind of a dangerous thing because that's what got us in the in the you know in the concentration camps a little while ago. Uh, but uh, the major Jewish organizations did not, refused to explain to the Jews first of all and the rest of the general public, and to protest that the media is lying about the Jews again. And so that's when we started, uh, Andrea Levin and I um, yeah. joined an already existing small group in, in Washington called CAMERA, Committee for Accuracy of Middle East Reporting in America. And CAMERA is, uh, the, I think, the best. Um, I know they have good competition. Competition's good. But I think CAMERA is the best for intellectually Provided, providing uh, incontrovertible evidence on a daily basis that the media is lying about the Jews. So here's a story that I don't usually tell. Um, and I, I, it's an important story. As we were about to form camera in Boston, we were approached by people in the Anti-Defamation League. Uh, who said to, and, and the guy's name was Lenny Zakum, and now he, he died, unfortunately. He was a wonderful guy, Oliver Shalom. And there's a bridge in Boston named the Zakum Bridge for him. So he was a good, wonderful guy in the Anti-Defamation League. And he said to us, don't form camera. That's, that's a bad idea. We said, why? He said, you should let the ADL be, these were his words, be the ADL for Israel. And we said, mm -hmm. why should we do that? Why should we do that? Well, because if you form a group like Camera, it, the, even if you do it really, really well, um, you will become one of a subset of groups in the big umbrella of the federations, in the big umbrella of the JCRC, and you'll be one opinion among many, right? But if, but if Abe Foxman, the head at the time of the Anti-Defamation League, if he were to say, if he were to say, the media is lying about the Jews again. That would be important because he speaks with the voice of the Jewish people. He runs the defense department of the Jewish people. And if that was his message, wow, that would be so much more powerful. And you know what? We said, you're right, Lenny. 
Well, you're right. Go get him to do it. And he wouldn't do it. He refused to do it because, I, I mean, he didn't tell us why, but I imagine he needs the New York Times to print his letters against Pratt Robertson. He needs the New York Times to print his letters to raise money. You know, uh, it's the Christians who hate us and, the, and all of that. And he's got all of these older generation Jews who knew then that the Christians hated us. And so if Foxman is, you know, warning about Pat Robertson, wow, that's really dangerous. Send him a check. So he didn't do it. I would, con I would contend, Avi, the moment that he decided not to do this, which is, what is it to do? It's to fight against the new anti-Semitism, right? It's the new anti-Semitism. It's not uh, right. that we killed baby Jesus. It's not that we, you know, it's that we needlessly oppress the poor indigenous population, the darker skinned population in, in Israel. Um, so the moment that the Anti-Defamation League decided not to fight what was the new anti-Semitism, I would tell you that's the beginning historically of the decline of Jewish power in America. Okay. That's a good point. So, so we have a failed leadership and the ADL is the most, is the worst because they were supposed to be, they have, what is it, a hundred million dollars a year to be our the, in their treasury, which is our money, although now it comes from uh, high tech on the West Coast, so that's why uh, that's that's why they bow to that to that to the wokeness. Um, but that was supposed to be our defense department, and 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 they failed us horribly. Not only did they fail us that way, but they adopted uh, all of the progressive language around groups. So now the most dangerous thing in the world, uh, there are two, two big dangerous things, and the ADL contributed to this. Um, they won't go after the left. In other words, what's, ha what's happened? The progressives have won the ideological battle in all of American major institutions and now in our companies. And so what battle did they win? They went from classic liberalism which you and I are, because we, and almost every person in the world is, we all believe in the equality of opportunity regardless of race, religion, creed, color, whatever, okay? We believe that. But they turned that upside down and made it a demand for equity and a demand for equality of results. So what does that mean ideologically? It means that if you compare any groups and if one group is higher than another in terms of there's more lawyers or there's more doctors or there's more wealth or there's more success, whatever, it can only mean one thing, that this group is oppressing this group because there's no other reason in the leftist mentality that this bottom group, there's no reason in the world except for being oppressed by this group that they are right. where they are. Nothing right. inherent about their culture, nothing inherent about their pet, nothing. It only has to do with their being oppressed by the people who are on top. So guess who's on the top? The Jews, the Jews, I mean, rate, you know, maybe now the Asians are, you know, surpassing us and they're also getting it in the neck as well right but because right. of envy it's envy um right so, so now the jews are the one percent of the one percent and we have been replaced 
in the pantheon of victim classes where we always wanted to be. We wanted to be with the blacks, wanted to be with the downtrodden, right? But we got kicked out of those groups, the women, the gays, the blacks, the tra- now in the transgenders, and we got replaced by the Muslims. So we're out, they're in, and you can't say anything critical about anything in the culture, history, religion, society, practices of Islamic peoples, because then you're just like a racist. Now that's ridiculous, right? But the ADL and all of the left, all of the groups, the mainstream Jewish groups, the federations, the JCRCs, the rabbis, etc., they all bought into this notion that, that of Islamophobia. Well, Islamophobia is the big lie. That's what, that's the big lie. The other big lie is that the Jews will be protected. The Jews will be protected uh, by clinging to the left because the danger is on the right. Okay, well, this is the wrong. I mean, the danger is all over. We know there's danger on the right, but those are the ones, that's easy. Everybody agrees, all the, the Jews anyway, but most everybody agrees that Nazis are not good. Everybody, but there's no Nazi professors. You know, there's no, uh, the Jewish kids on campus, 60% of whom, according to the polls, uh, want to hide or fear to, to demonstrate that they're Jewish on campus, on American college campuses. They're not afraid of neo-Nazis rolling around. They're afraid of the, the red-green alliance, right? The alliance between the left and the Muslims that is throwing, that is throwing the Jews out of Europe. That's what they're afraid of. So, so the real enemies of the Jewish people will not even be acknowledged by Jewish leadership. Yep. Okay. That's the danger. So we have, and, and I tell you, this is the twist. I and my friends have pivoted. We've spent the last 30, 35 years fighting against the external enemies of the Jews, the professoriate, the high school curricula, the liberal churches, the Farrakhaners, right? The Islamist crazies, okay? The, the left of the, the left wing, you know, anti-Zionists. We don't believe that we can win that fight without a change in Jewish leadership. It's like, mm. and all the, all the best people I know are doing that fight. I love, I mean, the, the, the biggest blessing in my life is that I've met the Andrea Levins and the Mort Kleins and the Steve Emersons and the Daniel Pipes and, uh, and, and all of, and, and, and Sarah um, Stern. I mean, all of these are the best Jews, that best people in the world, and they're still fighting. But I believe that this fight, which has to go on, I and mean, they should continue, is putting our fingers in the dike of a tsunami. And that we may not prevail unless we challenge Jewish leadership to change. Um, and so we have pivoted and uh, we have formed a, a group uh, with other people. It's not just us uh, called challengejewishleadership.org. If anyone wow. Knows. Because we believe that the Jews and, you know, Caroline Glick, my friend, and Melanie Phillips, my friend, think about 25, 30% of the Jews in America, um, get it, get it. But they're, they're all focused on fighting, putting their finger in the dike, you know, fighting external enemies. And that's great. But no one has organized them yet uh, to, to fight to change Jewish leadership. And so we're going to take that on. 
and uh, it's called challengejewishleadership.org. And it's about engaging with, uh, persuading, and then fighting hard to get changes. Uh, if your JCRC should be doing X, if they should be calling out by name uh, Rashida Tlaib or Ilan Omar, if they should be fighting critical race theory, which is the biggest disaster, we'll talk about that in a second. And if they're not doing that, we demand that you do, you have to, we're going to convince you to do it or we're going to demand that you do it. Um, so, you know, we shall undercome, I suppose, would be uh, the motto of, of something like Wait, that. Wait, so, so can I, can I take what you're saying to a tachless place, to a, to a, to a, a re, to a, to a now place for people to maybe hear, like, what's your answer now? For instance, we're only a few days after this, uh, this, this uh, horrible terror attack in Texas that thank God no yeah. one was killed and thank God the terrorist himself was killed. All right. Thank God everyone came out of that alive. Yeah. What is, what is wrong with how the Jewish leadership has responded since then to that attack, which is a continuation of the growth of, of Jew hating attacks in America, not only by, uh, by Islamists, but also Islamists. What is wrong? What did what did they do that was wrong? And what should Jewish leadership okay. be doing right now? That's exactly the question. Because this uh, attack, uh, tragic as it was, or almost was, uh, pre prevent, presents us with an opportunity to rethink the, the game board, right? So the first thing that the Jews, Jewish leadership should do is declare a crisis. There is a crisis in America. Uh, do you know that Jews are twice as like an American Jew is more likely than anybody else per capita to be attacked because of a, uh, on the basis of a hate crime? Uh, amazing, right? Um, so the Jewish leadership should take this time to educate the Jewish population, one, about the nature and extent of Jew hatred from every source, not politically, especially the not politically correct sources. So it's an, we know about the Nazis enough. That's not it's easy for you to tell us that. You know, you get away with that. You raise money on that. Right. And it's true that there are Nazis with guns and there's true that Nazis will. That's true. However, it may not be the biggest problem that we have at all. And you've been afraid to say this because you are afraid of Islamophobia. OK, so the first thing you've got to teach us is that what's the nature of Islamic anti-Semitism? We want to know. All these Muslims that you're reaching out to in America, right? Let's break bread. Let's have interfaith dialogue. Why have you never asked them what they teach their flocks about who the Jews are? Never you, you would. The ADL, I would bet you, has never proposed that we ask them, never been interested in what they do. Don't want to think about it because it's much easier to do kumbaya and pretend you're not Islamophobic. So first they have to declare there's a crisis. The second thing they have to do is stop spending Jewish money and this time of crisis on anything else except defending our populations. If you go to the websites of any JCRC or ADL or federation, you're going to see that, yes, Israel advocacy is on the list, 
but it's nowhere near the top of the list. The list is full, chock full. Help this one, help this one, help this one, help this one, help this one. And and their game plan was, if we help all these people, there'll be reciprocity. Right, and you're referring to non-Jewish groups, non-Israel-oriented groups. You're referring to referring to one of this social justice to help well, all the illegal immigrants. All the left-wing causes help all the left-wing causes, right? That are not. I mean, don't forget right. the theory here was a. It was the right thing to do to help the blacks, the women, and that until they got woke and anti-Semitic. Anyway, it was the right thing to do, right? But also, there was some expectation of reciprocity. There was some right. expectation of solidarity, right? Well, that not only didn't it happen, but it right. flipped because right. now, if you want to see who's most anti-Israel and most anti zionist jew it's those groups okay so you've got to say you got to rethink you got to say maybe you don't have to come in front of the public and you know i was wrong i led you down the dark path a dark alley where there's a thug with a baseball bat which is actually what they did but maybe you don't have to say that but you have to rethink what are we going to do now that your biggest bet which was to cling to the left not only didn't pay off but backfired Okay, so they have to do those things. They have to teach us about uh, Islamic anti-Semitism. They have to teach us about left-wing anti-Semitism. Karl Marx was the big anti-Semite, you know? What's Judaism? That's money. Uh, Not only that, uh, but, you know, also, utopianism. Everybody wants the same thing. All cultures are the same. Everybody really has the same values. It's not true. It's not true. Are Jews going to go blow themselves up for uh, Hashem? You know, I mean, I, you know, are you going to strap, strap a bomb on your kid's belly and send them into a mosque? A Jew is not going to do that. You know, I mean, are you going to, it's just not true. People don't, people want very different. That's what cultures are all about. Cultures are distinct and different. They want all different things. Human nature is not so good. That's that's what Judaism teaches, right? Yetzirah. Yeah, that's what Judaism. Right. And, we all and, have an and, evil inclination. We always have to work on ourselves to overcome to our evil inclination to be better people. It's not that we're all perfect and we're all we're all equally perfect. Right. right. And it's not that the reason that we're not all good is because somehow the capitalists or the state or you know, evil entrepreneurs have made us bad and hate each other. That's not true. But the people who are making us hate each other right now is the left, you know. Right. So, right. so I think uh, what we're trying to do now, so that's what they need to do. And, and we need to push them to do that. They're right. not going to do that by themselves because it's not a matter of, you know, this is ideological. And what right. that means is they're impervious to facts and data and logic. Right. You know, if facts... And and you brought this up, the the fee, and again, we're talking about leaders here. We're talking about yeah. whether rabbinic leaders, communal leaders, organizational leaders. And a message I know I've been giving for years, and I especially give this to my kids, is I say, listen, leaders will only go so far as they believe they have the public support, the support of their public to do something. Very few and far between are the leaders and even rabbis who will take a stand based on what is right if he doesn't believe that his public will 
will follow him. And the biggest fear of many of our leaders today in the Jewish leadership is afraid to go against the political correctness, which will bring upon them the wrath of their own congregations, their own followers, their own donors. And hence, we're left leaderless because very, very few of our leaders are willing to take a stand and say what needs to be said against the political correctness. And that's why I say the political correctness is killing us. One, because it's all the lies that is not allowing us to stand up for ourselves and protect ourselves. And two, because it it, it allows us to be active in, in passive, allowing the growth of those lies to continue to harm us as individuals and a community. Absolutely right. In fact, you know, they don't understand what a leader is. A leader is not somebody who's going to follow his followers, right? A leader is a guy who takes his troops into the jungle and says, we're going there. And it's really hard. And, you know, two days later, he climbs up the tree and he says, no, I was wrong. We're going there. (laughs) You know, that's what a leader is. Well, they they climbed up the tree and they don't want to see that what they did was wrong. So we have to help them see it. And if it, and, and a lot of this depends upon persuasion and personal relationships, but a lot of it determined uh, is it, going to be a function of pressure right. that because they're not, because ideas are not, de- you know, uh, facts are not determinative in these things. Right. right. So, uh, so our plan is uh, if people can see a little bit of it, not all of it, on um, challengejewishleadership.org. Uh, we're looking for people to be lo- leaders in their local community who with uh, two or three others can start a team under our guidance, and we can help figure out ways to get your local leaders to change. Uh, right. to, to I, do, I, yeah. So that's the no, idea. That's the idea. I, I can't I can't tell you how excited I was when when I heard about that initiative and saw that that website because it, it is it is so true. It is so true. And the only way we and you 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 put it so correctly, the only way we can expect our leaders to begin to make the change is if us individuals, the grassroots level, get together and start to pressure our leaders. Again, whether rabbis, whether community leaders, whether organizational leaders, it's only if a few people, either it's only five or 10 people in a single community, you're in Boston, someone's in New York, someone's in Los Angeles, someone's in London, even if you're just five or 10 people, get together Sign up at, at, the, at your website, uh, challengejewishleadership.org, get the information, and even as a few individuals, you can begin to put the pressure and create the tsunami effect to bring more people on board. And again, I'm so happy with how you expressed it because you were saying, we're not against giving money to other causes, but first of all, that strategy did not work. And right. second of all, our own community is in danger. How can you be giving all of this Jewish money to all these other causes of the progressive agenda and you're giving virtually no money to be able to defend yourself and your own community? The ones who are giving the money, that money is not being used to be spent on what is necessary to defend yourselves and literally your lives as actual physical acts of Jew hatred are growing. Um, so that, that, that's a very, very important point that you made. And I hope people do come visit the website and join up and don't be afraid. You don't have to have hundreds of people in a community, even no. if just five people get started, two people, because three people we've get already, started. we've already started this. And what happens is if you, you just need, uh, 
who was the guy in the Bible who uh, who went uh, to the to the Red Sea and, and and the water came up to his nose? Nachshon ben Aminadav. That's what we need. A couple of those guys. Uh, <laughs> that's what we need. Be because the first need, one to move forward yeah, and move and move the waters. We're finding already because if people see that other people, you know, who, if people who have been afraid or who don't want to, if they see movement in this way, they will join you. And we we're finding 100%. that this happens. So. Um, one more point before we go, please. At the basis of this, it's the donors to these organizations, the big donors, because these Jewish leaders are not elected; they're appointed, anointed. <laughs> they're appointed and anointed, and uh, it's these donors themselves who have to be gotten to in the long run. But that's stage two. Okay. Okay. I think, I think we've we've laid it out. Uh, there's nothing. I mean, you could do one of two things. You could still fight the external enemy, and every, all the activist Jews are doing that, and they don't want to leave off of that. I understand, okay? But we ha- we're not going to win. We may not win unless we change Jewish leadership. So, so help us with this one. Yeah. No, and I, I'll just on. add to that and say that this is actually something that's more palpable, not necessarily for those activists already. This is for the fathers and the mothers and the grandfathers and the grandmothers who all of a sudden realizing, wait a second, it's more dangerous today to be a Jew in America than it was a year ago, than it was five years ago, than it was 20 years ago. I grew up in New York City in the 70s and 80s and I was married in New York City in the 90s. It was like the the golden age of of being a Jew in America. There was virtually so little anti-Semitism. Today, college students recognize, wait a second, I'm I'm not comfortable being outwardly Jewish on my college campus. So it, it is n- n- it's not necessarily for the activists who are going to need to come up but it's for the the Joshmo Jew, right? Yeah. The the Avraham yes. Miriam Jew to realize yes. wait a second, my rabbi is not doing anything about this. Uh our our communal organizations are doing nothing about this. Let me start talking to my neighbors, three of us, four of us, five of us, let's start doing something. Let's start ourselves putting the pressure on our communal leaders to start doing what's necessary to protect us. And, and you mentioned the rabbis. So the rabbis are like some of the biggest problem because, as you said, they don't want to divide their congregation. Everybody in America is now politically divided at each other's throats. And the rabbis don't, you know, they're kind of paralyzed. And yet they're leaders. There should be spiritual should and, be leaders. and communal leaders. And so we've gotten people to uh, join together, think about this, have discussions with their rabbis. Um pressure them or ask them nicely and then pressure them if it doesn't work to have pro-Israel speakers, speakers about anti-Semitism, not just about Nazis, uh, come to the synagogue. And and that will work. That will work. But somebody has got to do this work. And yeah. it's got to be us. Yep. Um, like you said, it's the average uh, the average Jew in the street. And by one more piece and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Some of the best so far are the mama bears. Yep. Jewish mothers, man, they don't they are really upset about what their kids are learning and what kids what people are learning about Jews in school. They're really upset about that. And they're some of the best that we have. And and right. and uh, call it the one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know you're right. Now and, and I'll just leave with a little anecdote I'll share with you. I, I've been vocal about all this for, for years in, in, in my programming. And even back in the Obama days, before before Trump was was even on the radar, back in the Obama days, I was talking about the growth of 
Jew hatred on college campuses by the active support of the Obama administration for the Islamic organizations, for CARE, for having an open door to, open door to the White House, for J Street. I was calling it out back then. J Street is a back door to divide the Jewish community. I, I, I unfortunately like to say one of the most successful things Obama did was divide the Jewish community with the creation of J Street and its infiltration in, in the JCRCs and, and the Federation world, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember being vocal about all this back then during the Obama years. I lost a lot of friends. Because Abby, it was Abby, not we made correct. a film. We made a film called the J Street Challenge. You, you go find it, play it for your people. It's uh, we we knew exactly. You're absolutely right. It, that's what was Obama's. Uh, go, well, him and Soros. And all. I mean, that was the goal to divide the Jewish community with J Street, and they and they did. And it. they succeeded. They succeeded. Right. They succeeded. On on that pessimistic point, we will. No, end we're going to win. Optimism. We just have to fight. We're gonna, we, we will just... end with the optimism. Exactly. You have given people the avenue to be able to stand up. And again, something again, I teach my children: do not expect anything from leaders. We, it's up to our future is up to us, and our leaders will only follow after they see we are pushing them to go. So don't just expect it from the leaders. It's up to each and every person. And now we have the avenue with challengejewishleadership.org. Everyone go to challengejewishleadership.org. See how you can get this started in your community. And the revolution is in our hands. And, and, I, and my final point is I like to say, besides this, the other message I give people is the ultimate solution to Jew hatred is the strength of our own personal Jewish identities and connection with the Jewish state of Israel. Because Jew hatred is always going to exist. It's always been, it always will be. It's never going to disappear. It's always, right? We say on Pesach, the whole Dovodor. And every generation there, we have some enemy that comes up to, to annihilate us, right? So Jew hatred is never to, to disappear. But how do we save ourselves and our children and grandchildren? By strengthening their Jewish identity and strengthening their connection to Israel, which is which is such a lifesaver to help the strengthening of one's Jewish identity, regardless of one's religious level. And that also is a huge failure on the part of so many rabbis who are turning their, their, their congregants against Israel, questioning Israel, being embarrassed about Israel, instead of using Israel to help strengthen their Jewish community and be able to stand up against the growing Jew hatred, and that also it's up to us. It's not waiting for our leaders. Educate yourselves. Look out for the organizations that are helping youth, whether in high schools, whether in universities, to strengthen our Jewish identity so we can protect ourselves regardless of how strong or weak our leadership is at any given moment. Absolutely. That was perfectly said. Charles, I wish you the best of luck with everything. I definitely look forward to being in touch with you in the future and talking about issues because this is a this issue is not these issues are not going away. They're growing. There'll be more to talk about and get your input. So chazak uh, ve'emats, and uh, I hope people sign up and more people get involved. And little by little, one community at a time, we start putting that pressure on the leaders to make the changes to help uh, defend each and every Jewish community. From your mouth. <laughs> Amen. All right. And everyone who's watching all over the world, thank you so much for watching. Signing off for another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and, and, and ancestral homeland, Israel, in our eternal and undivided capital, Jerusalem. Thanks so much for watching, everyone. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.